Welcome to the Frontline Herbalism Podcast with your host Nicole Rose from the Solidarity Apothecary. This is your place for all things plants and liberation. Let's get started. Hello, welcome back to the Frontline Herbalism Podcast. I hope you listened to the last episode. This is the second one in this series. So it's all about state repression, trauma and the body. And I've basically chopped up the audio from a webinar that I gave back in May. Um, and yeah, it was kindly hosted by the Civil Liberties Defence Centre and organised by anarchist Cindy Milstein in solidarity with the movement to stop Crop City in the so-called US. So if you didn't listen to part one, part one was looking at how, yeah, it was just introducing the workshop and talking about the repression, so some of the personal impacts and the movement impacts. Um, and this part two is all about kind of trauma and the body and what is trauma, um, some of the common trauma dynamics and how the body expresses distress. Yeah, just a trigger warning here that some of the content might be a bit heavier uh, than last time in terms of like explicit references to things that can make an experience traumatizing. Um, for example, um, captivity or aloneness or powerlessness or immobilization, things like that. Some of these frameworks come from my herbalism, PTSD and traumatic stress course. And the waiting list for that is now live. I will put it in the show notes. And yeah, like I mentioned before, um, you can access this webinar for free on my website. You can just sign up for it just with your email address. You can actually watch me kind of talking and see all the different slides and see the links and resources and the transcript. But if you didn't listen to part one, just a kind of overview of the workshop. So this webinar will introduce the traumatic dynamics of state repression and the important role of solidarity and care in mitigating the violence of the state. We will explore how trauma can affect the body and the common ways we express distress from nightmares to panic attacks. We will look at what we can do to reduce the risks of PTSD and build collective strength when resisting repression. So yeah, I hope you um, enjoy this part two and yeah, I will release part three soon. Take care. All right, I'm just going to have a sip of water and then I'm going to talk about trauma and the body. Sorry if I'm going really fast. Um, Okay, so what is trauma? Yeah, I mean, there's like no single definition, right? Like it's actually a Greek word for wound or damage. And kind of one definition is that trauma is a distressing, disturbing or wounding experience or injury experienced in many ways over a lifetime. And I think that's like a really beautiful, inclusive definition because it kind of like challenges like hierarchy around, oh, that wasn't really traumatic or, you know, oh, well, I've never lived in a war, blah, 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 blah. Like, I think it just acknowledges that us as humans, like, go through these different experiences that distress us. Um, and also trauma is being kind of increasingly recognized as, like, a response to these experiences. Um, have I got? So, like, it's not just what we've gone through. It's also how our body is responding to it kind of, you know, ongoingly, if that makes sense. And people talk about trauma, like, in the nervous system or in the body. I kind of critique that a little bit in my course because I think we need to name the like structural forces that shape us, not just our nervous systems as the, the baseline. Um, okay, so some of the common trauma dynamics and just a heads up, like this is the more kind of like gnarly section. Um, so people may experience like a threat to life um, so that's like experiencing that yourself, you know, for example, nearly dying or witnessing someone being killed, for example, is very traumatic. 
um, traumatic experiences tend to like alter or destroy like our assumptions of safety. And I want to name that like not everyone grows up with a feeling of safety in the world, if that makes sense. But you know, you might have an assumption about something being safe and being punished. Um, traumatic situations generally involve often like situations of abandonment. You know, you being overwhelmed by that situation or that experience and not having the resources or the support to excuse me, to deal with it. Um, powerlessness is another dynamic. So yeah, being rendered kind of helpless by an overwhelming force. So that could be, for example, like a hurricane or a flood, right? That's, you know, destroyed your home or your village. But that can also be the state, right? Like the state is an overwhelming force that can like dominate us and our lives. Um, and then yeah, captivity. So um captivity is kind of like inherently traumatizing that's my personal opinion having lived in the cage for nearly two years um you know like captivity in general and again there's different contexts for this right like this could be a police cell this could be a domestic violence situation this could be um a kidnapping like there's you know there's like lots of different contexts but generally there's like an inability to escape like prolonged and repeated coercive control there may be like threat of death or harm. There might be isolation or submission. Um, and I think one of the main things in prison is this like violation of your own moral principles. You know, the fact that you have to watch officers like attack people. And if you intervene, you know, you're going to like get in loads of fucking trouble. So you don't like I think these kind of more complex situations can really like, yeah, kind of traumatize people. And ultimately, there's this like pattern of like dehumanization. Okay. Sorry, <laughs> catch over. Do I sound okay? Um, yeah, and then more trauma dynamics is that like trauma generally like instills fear in different ways. So that you know could include like anxiety or hypervigilance or distress, like in general. Um, and then the other thing I really want to name is that like trauma really compounds like over time with other traumatic experiences. So you know maybe that's like childhood trauma maybe that's like racial trauma or sexual trauma or medical trauma like there's many different forms of trauma and they all kind of intersect and tangle um and they cannot be separated right so it's like for example someone maybe sexually abuses a kid and then that might you know harm their ability to participate in the school system effect for example and that then might lead them to prison and then, you know, bang, they're having this other traumatic experience in prison and it's kind of all connected. Um, okay, so how to shape the body. Again, I've just done this like 60 like lesson course all about this. and I just couldn't face trying to condense it into this presentation. So I'm not going to, but I'm just going to share that like every single person is unique and trauma shapes every single person's body differently. Um, and that there are many different ways that we express distress, which I will go through <clears throat> in more detail. And, you know, that could be nightmares, panic attacks, but that's also longer term, like chronic illness and disease. Um, and that ultimately, like we're really intimately connected to our environments and the various forces that shape our lives. You know, like it could be this kind of like ongoing activation of this like fight or flight response is exhausting like adrenal glands or it's creating so many stress hormones that your liver's not working properly you know there's like so many different kind of 
chronic illness pathways in the body in terms of inflammation and disease that can really stem from people's like you know traumatic life experiences okay so um <clears throat> i just wanted to say something briefly about ptsd because understandably there is like a lot of critique about the use of the word disorder and like the pushback on this kind of um like state psychology based like models of like fitting people into disorders and I'm aware that like for some people it's incredibly empowering to like get a, a diagnosis for something that feels like liberating to them like ADHD for example it might be affirm someone and change their life and mean that they can access support and other people may be kind of like pathologized in a way they don't want to be pathologized like for example in prison people are given like kind of personality disorders and this is used as a weapon to not let them out of prison so I just think like everyone should choose themselves. I use PTSD just because it's like well known and it's just like common language that people understand. Um, I don't think the body is disordered in its in the way it responds to stress. I think it makes absolute evolutionary sense that we have all these different symptoms. But I just wanted to also acknowledge that like PTSD as a diagnosis, like was born from political struggle. Like it was born from veterans from Vietnam, like fighting to kind of get recognized that they were traumatized from like murdering people if that makes sense and also from survivors of domestic violence like advocating and lobbying and fighting so yeah I just want to name that as well okay so different ways the body expresses distress I'm gonna kind of go through these in more detail but I've kind of put them in a pattern um in these like pink squares so I've got sleep disturbances changes in worldview memories flashbacks and triggers chronic disconnectedness and arousal and reality. Okay, so I think arousal and reactivity is like probably the most, not common, but like the thing that, yeah, a lot of us experience like after these kinds of life experiences. So, um, hyperarousal you know like it makes sense like you are literally if you think of like a bear you're waiting to be attacked again you know like if you've been in an unsafe situation it makes sense that the body is trying to keep you safe by being aware of what's going on around you um so yeah um again this like fight flight sympathetic nervous system activation so this is like the body mobilizing energy mobilizing resources whether that's like blood sugar or hormones or you know like energy in order to kind of respond to a threat but yeah arousal and reactivity means that this part of the nervous system is like kind of activated much more than the kind of resting and digesting part of the nervous system um <clears throat> there's like like emotional charge so you know we might have like increasing reactivity over time um hypervigilance so this is feeling like constantly on edge scanning danger suspicion like muscle tension um and then just like your pure fucking anger and rage right like being irritable being full of grief having you know thoughts of revenge you know trying to deal with the like injustice in the world like i think yeah these are all kind of ways we're like hyper aroused if that makes sense in our bodies and again like i'm not i never want to like pathologize anyone like i think these are all completely understandable things um so yeah, there may also be like aggression or like hostility or this kind of like 
impaired emotional control. So, for example, yeah, you can't close like a lid properly of a box or something. So you just throw it against the wall instead, for example. It's like you can't regulate yourself like effectively um, destructive behavior. So um, it might be that this kind of like rage and arousal is like turned in different directions. So it might be just like general kind of recklessness, or it might be like the ways that you have found to try and like seek respite, like in your like survival mechanisms. So for me, that's definitely workaholism. Like for other people that might be self-harm, it might be drugs, it might be alcohol. Like there's all different types of behavior that may be a response to trauma. Um, a heightened like fear of the world. Um, and I've put here like altered baseline because like sometimes sometimes we're scared and it makes sense because we're keeping ourselves safe and other times it doesn't make sense because we're actually just scared of things that shouldn't be scary if that makes sense but we've got that kind of like different baseline to other people um overwhelm is like very very common um people feeling paralyzed by overwhelm difficulty concentrating um and then just like anxiety so that could be about very specific things, or it could just be kind of like generalized and unfocused, like a sensation of dread. Um, and then panic attacks are like kind of surges of, of like nervous system energy that kind of manifest in a big wanna, um, affecting your breathing and heart rate and everything else. Um, okay, uh, sleep disturbances. So someone with PTSD or dealing with trauma, you know, are very likely to have trouble falling asleep or staying asleep. They might experience insomnia. They might experience nightmares or distressing dreams. Um, <clears throat> so if anyone can see this meme, it says when someone asks you how your night went and it says didn't get much sleep, but I did get a few hours of anxiety in. And when I work as a herbalist, like addressing someone's sleep is always like my first port of call. Um, okay. Catch me breath. Okay. And then... Yeah, again, this is like really huge content. That's just, I'm just like condensed so much, but there's all this like kind of chronic disconnectedness. So trauma like understandably creates, you know, like influences how we relate to other people. So, you know, we may experience like relationship challenges, you know, fearfulness, struggling to feel safe, struggling to trust people. Um, we may have like kind of diminished interest in things that once gave ourselves like meaning and purpose. Um, there might be a tendency to kind of like self-isolate and withdraw. Um, and then there's often just this like general feeling of feeling alienated, like no one on earth can understand what you've been through. Um, and yeah, there's often this kind of like self-disconnection. So like dissociation, feeling numb, feeling hopeless. Um, <clears throat> and then changes in worldview are like a really significant pattern in terms of trauma. So trauma often kind of gives us this like rupture in our lives like it shatters our assumptions of like safety of life of like the meaning of life like of humanity of like what human beings are capable of like there's just this kind of rupturing um effect uh people may feel betrayed um trauma is often accompanied with a sensation of grief like this feeling that something like cannot be undone like you can never forget what you've gone through, if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> um, you may feel kind of like guilt or shame or self-blame or self-loathing. 
people often feel kind of like unlovable or ruined or dirty or toxic or have this language around themselves of like being a bad person um generally having like negative beliefs about ourselves expecting the worst I think is one of the hardest ones to shift um loss of autonomy and agency and you know like often leading to this state of like just really ceasing to care if we live or die you know or you know actively seeking suicide for example um and yeah on a kind of baseline there's this sensation of like a constant state of stress so like feeling strain or pressure like believing ultimately that we do not have the resources to to kind of match the demands of our lives and that life is exceeding our ability to cope and this is always worsened by uncertainty lack of information and loss of control and I'm going to talk about this with state repression, but this is like ultimately this like cocktail of what makes state repression like particularly traumatizing for people. Um, okay, and then another big part of the kind of PTSD puzzle is around like the brain and memories and flashbacks and triggers. So it's really, really common to experience like recurrent, like involuntary and distressing memories. Um, it's also extremely common for people to have intense memory loss, like recall challenges or just like generalized amnesia. Um, and it's just worth saying that like the brain is really doing this to protect us. Um, and there's been really interesting science doing brain scans and all sorts of things of how the brain is affected by trauma. Um, so flashbacks are like a kind of unintegrated, unprocessed memory of an overwhelming event. And they're coming back to us because we've still got work to do to process that trauma if that makes sense so that it can then be kind of like put in a different part of our brain if that makes sense and they've shown in brain scans that like people with PTSD have this kind of like missing link a little bit where we're just kind of like less able to like you know kind of put something to the back of our mind if that makes sense um and I think often that's because of this compounding effect of if you have like so much going on over such a long period of time, it's like, where does it all go right? And how long is it going to take to integrate and process these memories? Um, and then we have triggers. So these are like emotional and physiological reactions to reminders. Um, so this is a kind of, again, it's like a warning, like it's it's communication to ourselves of like what is safe and not safe. And then not just historical, like it's not like you got triggered because you're thinking about this thing as a kid. It's like, no, you might have got triggered because like, um, you know, someone fucking got shot or something and it's like literally just happened. So it's like, it isn't, you know, I see trauma as like time travel. It's like not just the present, it's also the past. It's also the future, you know, anxiety about the future. And it's kind of like, yeah, this interesting time travel. Um, and then in terms of triggers, like kind of modern, like psychiatry and stuff tells us that we like avoid triggers. But in my experience, I think people can also be very drawn to their triggers, like their trauma has become a source of meaning and aliveness. You know, like I'm definitely like this in terms of like I think about prison all the time, like my whole life is designed around supporting people in prison. It's not like I'm avoiding these triggers on a regular basis. Um, and my <laughs> therapist calls this like my death drive. Um, but yeah, so again, this is all different ways that our body's communicating to us that our world isn't safe and that we need to do something about it and ultimately that we need to take action which is why it's so important in terms of organizing and social change and struggle and everything else um okay so yeah just some like common like emotional strategies um in a like repression context so 
one strategy is like minimization, like everything is fine. And I think in our campaign and in the repression of the animal liberation movement, you know, it was really like this. It was just kind of like, oh, nothing we experience is anything compared to the animals. Um, you know, prison is like a holiday camp, like blah, 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 blah. And it's just this like macho bullshit of like everything being okay all the time, which I understand is like a learned survival strategy, but ultimately like it isn't, it isn't effective and it doesn't meet people's needs. Um, excuse me. And then suppression is another strategy. So like refusing to discuss things. Um, you know, sometimes that's understandable for fear of being triggered, but often it's like people are just like, you know, keep your mouth shut. Like don't complain, don't like complain about that campaign. Like don't complain about that person. Like, you know, there's this desire to kind of like suppress, you know, your feelings. Um, dramatization. So people potentially like can't stop talking about something, but kind of becomes like the center of their world and they need to just kind of constantly verbally process it. Um, an explanation, you know, like constantly kind of analyzing what happened and then sometimes it's literally just this like flight response like a desire to kind of move away to change our appearance to leave a movement to not talk to these people again um and I think yeah I've seen that a lot for sure okay so I just wanted to like pause for five minutes and for you I know we can't do like group discussions but I wondered if people just wanted to take a couple of minutes to like think back to that list of everything I've just run through then about like how do you commonly like express distress you know like for me it's like nightmares and being hyperactivated um and being you kind of like angry and irritable and kicking off like that's more my style um but for other people they may feel much more withdrawn or depressed or suicidal or um but yeah I just wanted you to take a few minutes um to have a little reflection like for yourself of how yeah how does your body generally express distress to you all right um thanks so much for listening to the frontline herbalism podcast you can find the transcript the links all the resources from the show at solidarityapothecary.org forward slash podcast